For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Our scripture reading today is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you might know that you have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Deep breath in. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> uh, well, it's the seventh week of Eastertide, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground during that time, mostly in 1 John. And we've talked about sin. We've talked about love. We've talked about what it means to put your trust not in a religion, but in a person. And um, especially in the last three or four weeks, I just want to say... I've appreciated your interaction so much. Uh, I feel like the, the dialogue that the community is experiencing right now is like on another level. And I just want to say thank you. As, as your pastor, th- there just couldn't be anything more fun for me. So uh, I, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for being willing to go there with all play questions and, um, and engaging. So thank you for that. Uh, well, in those, in those five verses that Jenny read, it's one of the shorter ones, uh, one of the shorter texts that, that we have. Sometimes, you know, they're verses and verses long with all kinds of different words, but that's pretty short. But even in those five verses, we see the words testimony and testify seven times. So I think it's fair to say that the writer wants us to know something about that word. It's also translated as witness. So first, all play question, what does the writer pointing to? What does that mean? Witness or to testify or testimony. What does this word mean? Like, don't, don't think too religiously. Think just normal. In what, in what normal, okay, to share, yes. In what normal environment in our world do we see courtroom? Thank you. Witnesses, testimony, testify. See, in the church, like, we we always assume the answer is like a churchy answer, like it's about talking about Jesus, right? Um, sure, it can be. But, uh, but I really do think that these five verses, uh, something or someone is on trial. The Greek word for a testimony is uh, marturia, and it really does mean a witness in a court of law or evidence given. And I don't love court of law metaphors in the scriptures for a lot of reasons, but here we are. It's it's just completely, like it's impossible to see anything else. So here we go. Take a minute to read back through those five verses again. And I want to ask you this all play question, who or what is on trial? 
So you have a liturgy, just check it out. And just throw out ideas. One idea will lead to the next one, and that'll and we'll get where we need to go. Jesus might be on trial. In a way, you're absolutely right, and I'll show you why you're absolutely right in a second. Um, but but keep going. Power of God's love. Yes, keep going. Belief in his word. Yes, keep going. Abundant life, abundant life. I'm going to say uh, bingo. Who said that? Alicia. <laughs> nice job. Yeah, I think life is on trial. Life is on trial. And I say that because at the end, starting verse 11, this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life or abundant life, and this life is in his son. Uh, whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that, if you, so that you may know that you have eternal life or an eternal kind of life. Now, you have to climb out of Christian theology here for a second. What these verses aren't saying is, whoever, as we looked at last week, whoever prays the prayer, you know the prayer, the sinner's prayer, gets to go to heaven when they die. And whoever doesn't pray the sinner's prayer is not going to heaven when they die. That's not what the writer is talking about. That was layers of theology upon layers of theology that we created later uh, to prop up a system for basically white people who oppressed others to read the Bible in such a way that we could see it as not written by oppressed people. See what I mean? Like, you actually have to come up with a system that says what they're writing about is for me for later not for people who are being oppressed now. So, um, so thank you for that. Uh, so let's assume John is the prosecuting attorney bringing witnesses, and the first witness that John brings is humanity, or Adam, Adam. Because it says right there in the first, you know, if, if we listen to testimony from humanity, then the testimony of God is greater. So the first witness that John brings up is humanity, anthropos. So we have to ask the question. <laughs> I love it. It's all right. It's a tough day. It's nap time, snacks. Um, okay, so what is life or what is vitality? Because the Greek word for life is zoe, the state of one who is possessed by vitality. What does it mean to be possessed by vitality? No churchy answers. Be possessed by vitality. Passionate, alive, vigorous. We just saw it on stage about five minutes ago. Nate, vigorous, passionate. What else? <laughs> I'm a long way from, from that truth, Jenny, but I'll, I'll take that. She said, to still be in your 20s. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, how would humanity, and don't think like, I'm not, we're not contrasting evil, evil, secular humanity here and pure, righteous, holy, beloved church here. So, but how would humanity 
describe vigorous life or a vital life? Fit. Joy. Successful. Purpose. Happy. Independent. Now, now you're barking up my tree. What? Energetic. Energetic, yes. What's your name? No way, Fran. Welcome to Genesis. Fran, where do you live? Where are you from? I was, I was going to say, your accent doesn't sound like Wyzetta. It's more of a Minnetonka accent, really. We're really going to... Okay, well, welcome, Fran. And, and you participated in, in an all-play just like that. I mean, what's... Wow, yes. I can see that. I can see that. I hope I don't say anything today that'll make you email me later on. <laughs> Maybe too late, huh? Okay. Humanity. So the word humanity, anthropos, uh, is also essentially what the word Adam means back in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And I want to read a text to you that you may be familiar with, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, tr of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, or else you'll die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is, this is actually a yes-no question. I don't know if I've ever asked a yes-no question before. That's sort of against my principle. But on that last sentence that the serpent says, God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You won't die. Is the serpent lying there? Fran just gave the answer. Fran, say it out loud. No, no the serpent's not lying. Serpent's actually, the serpent's crafty and shrewd. The serpent's telling the truth. You're not going to die because they did touch it and they did eat it. And what happened? What didn't happen? They didn't die in a way. We'll get to that later. Ah, you said, Jonathan? Okay. Let's put that here for right now. We'll pick it up in about 10 minutes, okay? So there that is. Definition of death. Jonathan Flockman. This side of the room, by the way. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, now I'm going to give what I think is the definition of life from humanity's perspective, but not, don't hear this as like secular, evil, dualistic, the opposite of God. This is actually, I, I think, the view of life that most of religion gives us, including Christianity. Uh, life, or vitality, is always just out of reach. Just out of reach. And it's God's plan to keep it just out of reach so that we will learn to trust 
God. See, see how that goes? It's going to be just out of reach, because if, if we got it, if we could sink our teeth into that thing that we really, really want, then we wouldn't need God. So it's, so it's God's plan, just, just out of reach, carrot and the stick. And we should choose God. And when we do, our life will also remain just out of reach. We have to die to experience it. Do you know what I'm saying? Eternal life is what? And now, like, you guys are smart, so, like, answer it as, as you would have answered it maybe 10 years ago. Eternal life is? Heaven when you die. Okay. You guys are getting too smart for my, for my tricks. <laughs> I like that. Uh, it means I have to keep growing. Uh, so we should choose God, but our life will also remain just out of reach as an inheritance that we'll receive in heaven, but not now. So if we choose to grab whatever most approximates vitality or life and is within reach, then that's what sin is, and we should feel real bad about that. I think that's the message of humanity about life. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's pretty close. Um, and by humanity, I think what I mean by that is most religion, including most of Christianity. So my older sister uh, gives me permission to share this story, but she grew up and she was the youth group star. Anyone grow up with a sibling that was the youth group star? Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan's hand went up so fast. Oh my gosh. I see a couple siblings in the room here too, so I'm not going to talk. Uh, but I grew up with a sister that was the youth group star, and I really wasn't. And I know that's probably not a big surprise to most of you, but, but I really wasn't. I'm not just, that's not just a trope that, you know, about me. I, I really was very far away from uh, that kind of uh, religious good life, uh, including not making bad choices or, you know. Anyway, so um, Lisa, though, did, and she spent 20 years making the right decisions. And then she spent um, a semester abroad in college in Israel-Palestine. And it, it wrecked her faith, it wrecked her worldview, it wrecked everything. And by wrecked, I don't mean ruined. I mean, well, I do mean ruined. But it actually ended something that needed to end. She had a limited view of what um, God was about, Christianity was about, and really, mostly her view was the view that I just described. And so she had the courage to throw that away. She's like, I don't believe that anymore. And she decided to not pretend anymore. Well, then for the next about 10 years, she really went on a, a really a dark path um, that included a lot of pain. Well, she found her way into a church for, and she never went to church during those 10 years. She found her way into an Episcopal church uh, where they celebrate the Eucharist every week like we do. And in the back, when the invitation to come to eat the body and to drink the blood came for my sister, she felt God saying to her, you're not bad, you're just really hungry. And so she went forward and, and received the Eucharist and it, it wrecked her again. Well, now she is an Episcopal priest. <laughs> Many years later, that was a long, long journey that she went on. Um, but if you ask her, and she's preached here a couple times, it's about time we have her back. But if you ask her what the Eucharist means to her, she'll have a really different definition than just, it's a way to remember that Jesus died for me. It was, it was the moment 
and the moment that still teaches me that, um, that receiving Christ is a moment-by-moment thing, and it gives me what I need because I'm so hungry. So um, if life is on trial, there is a kind of life that I think a lot of us try to live, and we try to call it Christianity or any kind of religion, Um, but it's really mostly about trying hard to not reach out for that thing that looks so good and it's just out of reach, and it's trying to believe in a God that is keeping life uh, away from us, just out of our reach, on purpose. And we have to sort of love that God, believe in that God, trust in that God, because we have to trust that by doing that, then we'll get to heaven when we die. Even though that we receive the message that you're forgiven for free, the, the rules change real quickly when you become a Christian. And then all of a sudden you have to keep the fruit just out of reach. So uh, in 1 John 5, 9, we read this. If we receive human testimony, so that's what we just received, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. And the word greater means older. And it reminds me of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe when Aslan uh, you know, goes and he gets killed and then he comes back. And then the witch is basically like, wait a minute, I, I played by the rules. I, I, I knew the old magic. And then Aslan says, you did know the old magic, and you were right, but there's an even older magic. And that's what we're talking about here. That's what, so there's an older and more reliable witness. Um, and the second witness is the son, also called the second Adam or the second human. Uh, someone called him Jesus, correctly so. Let's imagine the prosecuting attorney asks him what life is. So uh, in John 6, 47 through 53, these are the words of Jesus. Truly I tell you, whoever believes, and remember last week, that means whoever places their confidence in for life, not mentally assent to a group of, a, a system of doctrine. Whoever places their confidence in a person has eternal life. I am the bread of life, he says. Now, what do you notice in common between what Jesus says, the metaphor Jesus uses, and what we read about in Genesis 3. What is the common denominator there? Food. Isn't it brilliant that Jesus uses food? Because in the beginning, it was fruit. Now, it's going to be bread. On the bread of life, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. Uh, this is the bread, which is such a, like, yeah, your ancestors ate man in the wilderness. I mean, th- this is the children of God that, like, traveled through, th- and, and God gave them manna, and they died. Uh, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And what does that sound like? Eternal life, but think of Genesis 3. The fruit. If you eat of it, you will surely die. But this bread, there's no trickery here. If you eat of it, you're not going to die. It's not eat it and you will surely die. It's if you eat it, you surely won't die. That's a totally different promise. That's beautiful. I am, Jesus said, the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Uh, and then the religious leaders then disputed amongst themselves, saying, and 
uh, by the way, in the text, John 6, 52, it says the Jews then disputed amongst themselves. But you as Christians in 2018 should read the Gospels, and whenever it says the Jews or the Jewish leaders, you should put in Christian leaders. That, that's Because that's exactly what Jesus would speak to now. Christian leaders, like me. <laughs> so Steve, the pastor of Genesis, disputed, <laughs> saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, the Son of Humanity, the second human, and drink his blood, you all have no life. So I, I think... Jesus is saying on the witness stand here, contrasted with what Adam said about life, Jesus is saying life has come down from God. It's not just out of reach. It's now among you and within reach. I am life. I have come down. I have made myself available to you. And all you have to do is receive me. Like, but I'm here. It's not a trick. It's not cloaked in guile. It's just, here I am. And it was always God's plan to give life to humanity because God loves humanity. It's not God's plan to keep our life just out of reach so we'll learn how to trust him. No, God sent life to the earth because God loves us. And then I believe Jesus would say on the witness stand, you can choose God and your life, that vitality, is available to you right now and also into eternity. Because the word for eternal or abundant, as Alicia, it's a better translation actually, uh, Alicia, so thank you, Greek scholar, uh, is ionios, eternal, and that actually means to have no beginning and no end. So that's an eternal eternal kind of life. If it has no beginning, then we're not talking about heaven when you die because heaven when you die has a beginning, correct? So Jesus is saying this is entering into a kind of life that has always existed, that exists right now, right beside you. It's, it's traveling along a parallel track that you just have to open your eyes to see. Or you can choose to grab whatever most approximates life and is also within reach. And many of us choose, and I'm sorry, but many of us choose Christianity instead of Jesus. And we miss. We miss life. We miss the bread of life. We miss, and because we start fighting with each other about who believes what is right, and you can't be on my side anymore because you believe this, and I believe that, and it's just this big algorithm that is designed to keep people apart and fighting, and distant. And so Jesus, I think, is offering something completely different. And that is life for everybody. Life for everybody. And um, I think this trial is raging right now in our world. And I think um, the humanity that looks religious is really blinding people from the life of Jesus that is really actually vibrant and 
inclusive and expansive and uh, that creates space everywhere it goes and in which there really is nothing to fear. Uh, it's, you know, going back to Aslan, to, you know, is it safe? <laughs> what a boring word. No, but it's good. But, 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 but that is the leap of faith. And no one can take that for you. So, um, I, I was in, um, okay, I got to be done. But I was, I was, I was in my, uh, I'm, I'm being ordained this um, fall, or this June, sorry. And um, in, <laughs> in front of some people, I probably shouldn't have said this to I said, I was supposed to give my, like, my testimony. That's what they called it. And I said, I am not, no, I said, I am an evangelist, but not for people who don't believe. Because I'm deathly afraid of people becoming Christians. I actually want to help Christians who have felt like Christianity has absolutely failed them to, act, to finally meet Jesus. I think that's my thing. Like, that's one of the things that I... Now, you know, maybe you would call that becoming a Christian. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. For me, it's helpful to, to make a distinction because I think it's about life. I think religion can only offer us so much. It's good as far as it goes. It provides us with people that think like us. Man, we need that for a while. But then there comes a time where it's like, whew, um, to grow into who Jesus is and where Jesus is leading us, um, we, we actually need to get to know the Jesus that Pretty soon we'll find out, looks different than us. <laughs> Has different skin color than us. And so like, if you've, all of a sudden, man, Jesus, he's, he's, he's been so distant lately. Like, maybe it's time to look for him somewhere else. Still Jesus, but he's somewhere else. And that's where you need to go. Like, that's what time it is. That's what click it is for you. Does that make sense? So, no fear. Uh, unless you are afraid, and that's fine. Um, but like for Nate even, like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe some of you are like, well, that, that doesn't happen, <laughs> you know? Okay, <laughs> totally. Or some of you are like, oh my gosh, I've been praying for that to happen in this community, and now it has. Okay. <sighs> so I always struggle with how to wrap up sermons. That's why we have 60 seconds of silence that I give someone else the responsibility of wrapping up the sermon. Steve, can I say something? Absolutely, Karen. Um, thank you, because I, I whispered to God, I hate this text. <laughs> I really do. This text? Yes. Yeah. Because I took it the way you said. And right away when I think of witness, you guys know how they're like, okay, you saw the robber, what did you see? And they say, I saw a black man with a red hat and blue jeans, but it was in fact a Mexican man with no hat, right? Yeah. So humans don't witness very well. But it would make a lot of sense that Jesus was a pretty good witness and that Jesus knew the truth. He didn't distort the truth. So that when we say whoever has the son, for me, if I replace the son with the word truth, mm. that liberates it. Because mm. I 
Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. The voice of the chorus is better than the solo. Amen? Um, and you know, I'm hard on Christianity because I am a Christian. That's why I'm hard on Christianity. And I'm not saying I'm not a Christian. I absolutely am a Christian. That's what gives me some right to pound on us. Um, okay. Okay. I'm going to invite us into 60 seconds of silence, uh, and, and the opportunity here is to open yourself up to God, to the Spirit of God, to speak to you as the Spirit of God might. After it's time, I'll invite Scott up to lead us through the prayers of confession and into the Eucharist.